If you're looking for a podcast, it's going to take a look back at five years ago when New Horizons flew past Pluto. What? What? No. No. And New Horizons from five years ago to now, that... Yeah, no. No? No. No? <laughs> no. <You> sure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that isn't this podcast. No. This is, however, comedy. Tragedy. Marriage. Welcome to Comedy, Tragedy, Marriage, a podcast where a couple who has been married over 30 years uh, takes turns selecting a movie to watch and then we discuss it. It's not nearly as exciting as it sounds. Oh, uh, now, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> Um, that was a joke, honey. Uh, I am Stan the Movie Man, and when I'm allowed to, I review films uh, at StanTheMovieMan.com, as well as monthly for WIMZ.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at MovieManStan, and you can follow the podcast at CTMarriage. I am joined, as always, by the one, the only, Thank the, God. Most, the most unique... <laughs> The, the sweetest, kindest, loveliest person on this planet. And also, my better half. Oh, please. You need to build a bridge and get over yourself. What? I'm, I'm complimenting it's, you. It's real sweet, but it's, it's like so sweet it makes my teeth hurt sometimes. Anyway, I am Maud, the literary broad. Oh, dear. Oh, Maud. Uh, yes, it was your... Uh, turn to pick what we watch this week and yes. as always it is a surprise to me oh uh well, no, well just i don't know oh yeah you keep that sort of close to the vest and and usually uh, yeah yeah um and of course now i rarely tell you uh what we're gonna watch when it's my cho choice to pick true statement uh but sometimes i'll let you in i'll say well, okay this is gonna be this but uh this week you kept me in the dark as usual. So please tell everybody what we watched this week. This week it was my choice and we watched Dun 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 an independent film called Shirley, starring um, Elizabeth Moss as famed tortured author Shirley Jackson. Michael Stolberg as her husband, the professor, we'll just call him that. Odessa Young as um, Rose Emser, and Logan Lerman as Rose's husband, Fred, who is an up-and-coming bright star professor wannabe at Bennington College in um, Vermont, where the Jackson-Hyman household is where um, Professor Hyman, Shirley Jackson's husband, is a long-tenured professor. Um, and the hilarity just ensues. Oh, boy, does it. Yeah. 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 Just a little light, fluffy piece of something oh, for yeah. you. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, it, 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 A little bit of backstory. Um, my exposure to Shirley Jackson was in high school to begin with uh, my one of my English classes we read a chilling horrifying brilliant short story by Shirley Jackson called The Lottery if you're familiar with it you know exactly why I describe it the way I do if you're not familiar with it 
OMG. Google it, find it, read it, and prepare to have your mind blown and your world altered. Yeah, it's it's been adapted into, you know, episodes of TV. I don't know that there's enough there to make a movie out of it, but you could, there probably has been a movie made out of it. But, yeah, it's... It's a harrowing story that feels just a little too on the nose right now. It's pretty, yes, it's very dystopian in nature, um, hearkening back to Elizabeth Moss's recent work in a little jaunt called The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, of course, uh, full disclosure, Elizabeth Moss, huge fan Huge fan, even since before her role as Peggy Olsen in Mad Men. Before that, when she was Zoe Bartlett, um, the president's daughter on West Wing. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that my first glimpse of Elizabeth Moss as an actor was there. And um, she's, she's not conventionally beautiful by any stretch of the imagination, but there is, there is something about her face... And the way she is able to use her face as an actor that is just utterly compelling mm -hmm. on any size screen you watch her on. Uh, the movie of hers that came out before this was The Invisible Man, which might seem like a sort of silly puff sci-fi horror movie. Not with what she brings to but it, though. No, it well, and it's it's got a great script and and has great performances from her and others. It just happened to be kind of blockbuster esque in its somewhat in its marketing. Unfortunately, it came out just before everything got shut down. But um, she elevates that um, story to something else uh, with her performance. And uh, she is fearless, apparently, when she's doing a role that mm. she apparently believes in and devotes herself to that part. Um, it's uh, That movie, The Invisible Man, is far better than it has any right to be. <laughs> Largely by virtue of her... Uh, well, that and the tone that it sets. I mean, it was made by the folks at Blumhouse who are, are mm -hmm. uh, artists when it comes to uh, creating um, low-budget yet extraordinarily entertaining uh, horror movies. They've stumbled on something, haven't they? Well, yeah, they, they have the formula. I, they probably had spent a little more on this one just because Elizabeth Moss and the special effects. But... It's, uh, that movie is spectacular, and I never have to see it again, because it is so tense. Okay. In large part, because of Elizabeth Moss's reactions to things. Now, we're not talking about that movie. No, we're not. We're talking about Shirley, where she plays this author who is tortured, who uh, seems to have uh, severe depression. Agoraphobia and is agoraphobia, a problem. Agoraphobia, and she's also... Uh, you know, trying to write her next work, which her husband, Stanley, is trying to urge her on, but at the same time, he's also being sort of emotionally manipulative 
and abusive to some extent. Oh, to every extent. This guy is a gaslighter yeah. and an undercutter and a backhanded complimenter giver. Mm. He is he is so passive aggressive. Now, I don't know how true to life this is, but his, his this character as portrayed in this film is utterly despisable. Oh, yeah. Now... I'm going to read a little blurb from the Wikipedia page mm -hmm. on this. Um, Lawrence Jackson Hyman, Shirley Jackson's son with Professor Hyman, criticized the movie's portrayal of his parents, noting that, quote, if someone comes to the movie not knowing anything about my parents, they will certainly leave thinking that my mother was a crazy alcoholic and my father was a mean critic, end quote. Well, duh. He also expressed that, in his opinion, the movie failed to portray Jackson's sense of humor. Um, I can buy into that because someone, someone intelligent enough to have written a story like The Lottery, that is, in my way of thinking, that is a multi-layered brain and a multi-layered personality. And when she was funny, she was probably pee your pants snaffle spit lemonade out your nose funny and very dry well, i'm thinking yes. cutting um sh now i you know i know the difference between reality and what shows up on a movie screen that it can be worlds apart it may not reflect the um the the you know the true character of the two people at uh, well the author and her husband mm -hmm. uh, in this case. However, I'm just going to be speaking about the movie. Uh, into the to into their lives come a your professor, um, Fred. Wannabe, Fred, played by Logan Lerman, and Ro his wife Rose, uh, played by Odessa Young. Um, they don't realize it, but they are being circled by sharks in this house oh they are stepping into a big steaming pile of dysfunction they are minnows in a sea filled with man-eaters yeah and uh but uh rose is able to somehow pry her way into uh shirley's uh, inner sphere, circle yeah uh her emotional sphere and um proves to be really kind of a friend to Shirley while also, you know, taking care of the house and stuff like that. Making sure that Shirley eats. Yeah. Running errands for Shirley. The exchange in play here is the professor asks them, kind of not really asking them, but sort of traps them into a situation where... Um, he and Shirley provide room and board for this young young and very newly pregnant couple mm -hmm. um, in exchange for domestic help around the house. And Rose is, at first it looks like she's being um, unwittingly surrendered to a life of indentured servitude for a yeah. period of time. Cook clean, yeah. um, make sure Shirley eats, try to get Shirley out of bed, blah, blah, blah. Um, Shirley has a life her husband doesn't know anything about because when he is just assuming that she is lying flaccid and dormant 
in bed all day long. She's actually feverishly working a lot of that time. In this instance, now I don't think that has been her history, at least as it's implied in the movie. Oh no, I think that she has periods of profound crippling depression where she cannot get out of bed. And, you know, the the loss of the latest housekeeper, assuming that was even true. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Rose becomes something more than a housekeeper. She becomes um, an assistant and a sounding board. And, and a bit of a muse. And a bit of a muse for... Because uh, the story that Shirley is writing is about a missing college co-ed. Uh, from the college where her, her husband, husband teaches. teaches, yes, and she, when she sees this coed in her mind, she sees Rose with um, different, slightly different hair, and wearing always wearing a red, always coat, wearing a red because a red that's cloak. That's how she's described in the missing poster. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing anybody knows she was wearing. I'm drinking. Sorry, that's fine. Um, mm. No, I'm not drinking. Not not that kind of drinking. I'm, it's I'm drinking non-alcoholic adult yes. beverage. You know what? Excuse me. They didn't need to know that. I'm sorry. It's fine. You drink. Hashtag full disclosure. You you drink or you drink doesn't matter. These people don't know us except maybe the Facebook friends that follow that that listen. Both of them. Anyway. Um, <laughs> So there's good. this, yeah, there's this um, uh, game, this psychological game going on both between Shirley and Rose, and between Stanley and Fred. In my opinion, mm-hmm. Stanley is jealous of Fred's youth, mm-hmm. that he has this uh, beautiful and somewhat compliant wife. I mean, she's not really all that compliant. She just feels like she's in a corner and she doesn't have any choice. Well, but she is young and fertile, and there is uh, because she is newly pregnant. But we, when we first meet her, she's not showing yet. And she hasn't told anybody. And she yet. hasn't told anybody. Shirley is something of a witch, as she <laughs> describes herself. But she apparently um, knows the things about pregnancies and babies and can predict them and can can know things about them precognitively and you she's know. like those dogs that can sniff out cancer anyway <laughs> nice um but but yeah there's this there's there's these power struggles because fred wants to do lectures he wants stanley to read his dissertation because he's going for his phd and, and he's also going for tenure. And he's also trying to get on the college full-time with tenure. And Stanley's having none of that. He is so cruel at times mm. to both uh, Rose and Fred. He's also incredibly inappropriate with Rose, sneaking up behind her and nuzzling her neck like she thinks it's Fred, but it's Stanley. Um Kissing her on the cheek and on the mouth on, in one on one occasion. Yeah, uh, yeah. Michael Stuhlbarg is just a hideous character. He is very skeevy in this role, which is what the role called for and needed. Yes. and he played the skeeve to perfection. Do you remember seeing him in The Shape of Water? 
No. He played the Russian spy who was pretend who was also the re- a researcher. Okay. Yes. The voice is distinctive. Yes. The I the d- beard will throw you off. I didn't recognize the face, but I knew I knew that voice from somewhere. He's one of these guys who, like Elizabeth Moss, um, disappears into a role and doesn't mind changing their appearance significantly mm-hmm. uh, to to embody the character they're playing. He can morph. Yes, he can. And I think he can morph more effectively than Elizabeth Moss does because you always, no matter how fully she inhabits a role, and she does, I mean, her commitment is without question, Mm -hmm. but you always recognize that face. It would take serious prosthetics to make her unrecognizable. She just has a very distinctive look. She does, but the only difference between... Stuhlbarg in this movie and The Shape of Water is he had a beard in this movie. That's, and, and that's not that huge a change. Uh, I mean, granted, it's, it can, you don't see him a whole lot. Yeah. So, um, but uh, I, I think, I think Moss actually does more with her physicality um, in, uh, Ways that aren't just changing the way she looks. Oh no no no! It's body language. It's it's um, the whole way that one carries herself. There is a scene at the very end. I'm not going to spoil anything. It's uh, you can watch Shirley on Hulu. That's you, where we got her. Or you can rent it on where whatever platform. But there is a scene at the very end where she is, you know, she's centered in the frame, and she's fidgeting she's shaking i know she's exactly vibrating she she's so she's twitchy she's waiting for something and it reminds me very much of a scene at the end of captain phillips a tom hanks movie about the um uh the taking over of a uh, cargo ship by somali pirates mm-hmm there's a scene at the end of that when he's, and that one I am going to spoil, when he's been rescued. It was a news story. Get over it. Uh, and he's being checked out by medical staff, and he's answering his questions, and he seems like he's very calm, but then you start to see it break. You start to see him vibrate with the mm-hmm. relief of being out of that, and he cries. And that scene killed me. Now, this is a very different scene. Uh, with uh, Elizabeth Moss. It's a thing, though, that she has done before. I have seen it on occasion in The Handmaid's Tale. Mm-hmm. She she can adapt herself to a character and take on these little ticks, and it's it's not um, it's not something that at all appears to be contrived or calculated. Mm-hmm. It's just it's what the character would do. It's just yeah. It's just this thing that she is so brilliant at. Yeah. She's she's so good. She's so good. She's so good in everything. Um and this movie she's she's awful and she's you see just her veneer crack a little bit as she gets to know Rose better. Um, as Rose becomes her muse for this story about mm-hmm. this missing college girl. Um, it's, it is a subtle yet sledgehammer performance. 
of this character. Yeah, tour de force. And it's not going to be a real big surprise when we get to the rating part. But she is so good in this movie. And she is just... You forget who she is. I mean... When I looked her up and showed you the actual author, Shirley Jackson's mm -hmm. picture... Holy crap, they made her look just like her. She did look quite a bit like her. Um, the hair and makeup was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and it's... Uh, now, granted, this is not an exciting movie. At least as far as, you know... A lot of whiz-bang. Yeah, no car chases. Nobody gets shot. Um, uh, there's a lot of things that in the movie that play with your perception about what you're actually looking at. Are mm -hmm. we looking at Shirley's internal monologue? Uh, her <laughs> fantasies about uh, uh, what this, what happened to this girl? Or are we actually seeing her interactions with Rose? Well, yeah, I remember asking you, what, so like, did that thing actually happen? Mm -hmm. Or was that fantasy? You, you, you know, there I'm are not entirely sure now. And there are a few moments like that mm -hmm. where you're like, did that just happen? I'm not sure if... That that thing did. Well, that thing, and also, what was... What was reality? The thing in the cab at the near the yes, end? Yes, or, or the, thing, the other thing outside. It, the other outside thing. Yeah. I wish we could be more specific, but, but we, we don't want to spoil, spoil it. it. you got to watch this movie. I'm, I'm also going to throw this out here. Um, Odessa Young, who plays Rose slash Paula, mm -hmm. um, I so see um, she is definitely a Felicity Jones type. She, the physical resemblance to me, and the the just the overall sort of wispy thin physique. Mm -hmm. um, Felicity Jones is who she reminded me of, mm. but I think um, casting a Felicity Jones in this role opposite an Elizabeth Moss would have just been too much star power. Well, OMG that. And, you know, I, you know, I, I think probably they wanted to, you know, Felicity Jones, very, an excellent actress, but I, I think maybe they wanted somebody who could maybe play the, the, the waif, the ingenue, uh, the, 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 babe in the woods if you will yeah uh probably more uh, somebody maybe you know forgive me for being a, a man younger um yeah. uh, that was more age appropriate for the character she was supposed to be playing well yeah and elizabeth moss was definitely aged oh yeah yeah although looking at her biography she was only 48 when she croaked so, um surely Shirley Jackson. Shirley Jackson. I'm thinking Virginia Woolf. Holy crap. Totally different. <laughs> totally different writing. Totally, totally different movie. Totally well, different. Totally different writing, but a very similar character. Uh, in uh, some ways. Yes. Um, and I'm wondering the dynamic between Shirley and her husband. If everything that happened between Shirley and Rose wasn't part of just Shirley's game. And again, I'm talking strictly within the movie. I'm not talking about the real person. Yeah. I have no clue about the real person. But was e even the parts that seemed like she was being selfless and 
um, sympathetic to Rose? Was that all just a way to manipulate to the manipulate situation? her and get the the sort of emotional and psychological help with the story? Mm-hmm. Because there's a revelation late in the movie that seems to be done purely out of malice about the Shakespeare Club. Oh, yeah. Or the society, society, Shakespeare Society. Yeah. The revelation about the Shakespeare Society just seemed like it was meant to stick in the knife and twist it. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm just wondering, even the parts where she sort of is a decent human being, if that wasn't just part of the game. I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. And that's part of what's cool. Um, this is not, don't sit your kids in front of the TV for this. No. There's, there's a little bit of language. There's a lot of cigarette smoking because this is obviously taking place back in what looks like the fifties, maybe the sixties. I know. I was, I was thinking more, more like the forties. Oh, okay. Um, well, it was after the lottery. So we, you, we have a set point. Okay. I, I didn't even think about that. Um. Well, yeah, because in the first scene, well, know, Rose is reading the, reading the lottery, the lottery on, the train. on the train before um, she takes her husband into the bathroom. We see a little bit of um, above the waist frontal nudity with Rose. Yeah. Um, but and we see some implied sex. Yeah, there there is strong, a couple of times. There is strong sexual content. It's just not explicit right. or overly visual. Right. Um, but this is, no, the, don't have your kids watch no. this. No, well, your kids wouldn't like this anyway, unless they're some sort of savant. Um, uh, yeah, the, this this definitely this is isn't adult. a kid's movie. Yeah, this is, this is definitely for grown-ups, and for grown-ups who enjoy an examination of complicated characters and people that are not necessarily likable psychological what makes people tick and stuff yes you can probably guess but we're going to come back in a minute and rate it right after this we've gone on and on about shirley here on comedy tragedy marriage because i'm guessing we both like it um but let's find out for sure my literary mod the literary broad please tell me what did you think of Shirley? Eleventy big fat books. <laughs> I give it ele- not just eleventy big fat books, but eleventy big fat heavy books with huge words in them. Leather bound with gold foil print on them. Yeah. yeah. All the stuff. Uh, I concur. It's five stars for me. I'm so glad you liked it. I did. I enjoyed I was it thinking, a great deal. I was thinking, honestly, that this might not be up your alley because well, I- it is kind of... It's it's a slow simmer. It's not it's not crap blowing up, and it's not you know car chases and planets. Let's let's think about some of the movies I've shown you, like Parasite and True. The Lighthouse, Shape of Water, Shape of Water, which, which is I've, kind of it's got some action in it, but I've, not a ton. I loved The Shape of Water. I just um, did. And, and The Lighthouse gave me yeah right agita yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'll, uh, yeah, this, uh, I, I will. You're more than a one trick pony. I know. Yes. I'll, I'll 
you know, step outside of my comfort zone. Look, if there was a Star Wars movie or a superhero movie every week, I would be perfectly happy. Uh, but I'll, I don't mind stepping outside of my comfort zone. You would be perfectly happy and I would be perfectly alone. Well, <laughs> of course, I might make you watch some more of them later on because you liked Iron Man. So I did. I did. So, yeah. We've, there are uh, still 34 years of marriage and counting and there's still some surprises to be had. So who knew? Absolutely the truth. Um, so, we highly recommend uh, Shirley. It's available on you, uh, on Hulu. and On YooHoo! <laughs> on on YooHoo! Who knew? YooHoo! Sorry. Uh, you can uh, also, of course, rent it on whatever platform if you do not have Hulu. What other stuff have you been watching lately? Okay, last night... We dug into the most recent installments of both the new Perry Mason reboot mm -hmm. and the Michelle McNamara. Um, I'll be gone in the dark. I'll be gone in the dark. I was tr trying to think of like some kind of descriptor for it, but it's it's well, her true crime. It's it's true crime, but it, it, the more we get into it, the more it becoming kind of a character study about Michelle McNamara herself too and how she has sort of um, fallen down the bunny hole in into this case of the Golden State Killer mm -hmm. and just how absorbed she is beginning to become in this thing and that's not that's not really the direction that I was expecting this um, this series to take, which has been very satisfying for me, actually. Yeah, it, it takes a uh, real hard look at uh, her writing of the original story for L.A. Magazine about the person that she dubbed the Golden State Killer, who was known as uh, the original Night Stalker and the East Area Rapist. He was also the Visalia Ransacker. Uh, he graduated from just breaking in and taking a few things to Rape raping to, to eventually murder, murder. Um, and why is this and her whole gripe was why do we not know more about this why is this not front and center why are people not knocking themselves out to solve this thing everybody knows about the night stalker and the hillside strangler and the manson cult son of sam son and, of sam you know all of uh all of those guys and um but um Golden State Killer had a much larger body count, both in murders, and he had 50 rapes Ugh. that he was tied to. So, uh, yeah, this it's about her um, getting invested in trying to figure out who it was. I have a feeling the toll that took will be what the next episode covers. It may just from the way that they ended. Yeah. The previous one, it's it's we're we're gonna get a much deeper look into Michelle McNamara's finale. Yes. Uh, now that's not to say that uh, I'll be gone in the dark hasn't been about the victims and the survivors. Oh gosh, yes. And their and their uh, their families. Uh, it has been a great deal about the people most directly affected. Uh, by the Golden State Killer. I am looking forward to when they finally get to 
here's the DNA that connected him to these scenes and we arrest him. I hope there's a coda on there about how um, you know the case has been resolved now uh, and they I want I want to to see him suffer essentially. I want to okay, this is going to sound really harsh, but I want to see them put a bow on this and I want the bow in the shape of a noose. <laughs> well, this this his plea deal will, will prevent that. But. This this guy is just the most horrible kind of serial criminal. Yeah, he's well, he's he's less than human. I mean, I if you haven't been watching it, we highly recommend you see it. It's on HBO. Uh, it airs Sunday night at 10, right after Perry Mason at 9. Uh, and you can watch it on HBO Max or HBO Go or Now or whatever version of that you happen to have. Uh, it's very good. Uh, even if you're just sort of marginally interested in true crime, it's worth the, the watch. I think it's really been very well done. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. It's 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 really well done. We watched also uh, Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, which is uh, the um, Batman the animated series uh, movie that was released in theaters um, for about ten minutes and <laughs> went away. But it's it's a really it may it's right up there with some of the best live-action Batman movies. I thought it was really good. Yeah. Of course, I was a fan of um, the Batman, like, weekly or daily cartoons, whatever they yeah, were. Yeah, Batman the Animated Series. Ba yeah, thank you, Batman the Animated Series with Kevin Conroy as the voice of Batman. Um, I think Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. was Alfred mm -hmm. in that particular series. He was also in the series... Um, somebody else did Alfred a time or two, but yeah. it was Elf Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Here's the thing. Andrea Romano is, um, or has been the voice casting person for Warner Brothers for a very long time. Yeah, she has since retired. She was a freaking genius okay like she she cast the voices for animaniacs mm -hmm. and tiny tune adventures mm -hmm. and all the way to the other end of the spectrum with the the dark and brooding batman mm -hmm. series i just god what a dream job to be a cartoon voice <laughs> yeah yeah dude i mean i could have been slappy squirrel before slappy was slappy squirrel they just they didn't call me they didn't know why didn't they call me well we live in knoxville tennessee it's not exactly a hotbed of uh you know commercial cartoon, cartoon voice action activity voice acting that's a sh we should change that <clears throat> well okay um that any Warner Brothers animated of all types. Mm -hmm. Big fan. For generations, I've been a big fan. Um, and this particular Batman uh, movie was pretty much aces. Oh, yeah. It's it's on Netflix if you want to watch it. Um, I plowed through the third season of Dark on Netflix. I plowed through a nap while you did that. Yes, she did. Yeah, she I was did. a trooper. I, I napped like a champ. She was the queen of the nap um this is the third and final season of dark a german netflix oh, you show f you finished the whole thing yeah oh what are you gonna do now 
and well, put out something else eventually. Oh, okay. <laughs> There's plenty of stuff on there I'm sure I haven't watched that I would like. Mm. Uh, but <clears throat> to say this show is about time travel is an insult. It is about so much more. Time travel is just the instigator, the instigator of what's going on. And through the first season, I did not have a clue what was happening. And I loved it. And then the second season came along, gave, dropped a few nuggets here and there about what was happening. Uh, second season finale, they introduce an entirely new wrinkle. Um, and that's what the third season is about. Mm. Uh, and um, it doesn't go where you think it's going to go. You know, you think <clears throat> there's uh, a child that goes missing um, in the current timeline. And you think if uh, Jonas, the main character um, of the show, if he can prevent that child from going missing then it will fix everything. Then that's not true. <laughs> um, Very much like 11-22-63. Yes. Yes. Um, so you fix one thing, you yes. screw up a dozen others. Uh, there's a, a really good uh, two-part episode of Star Trek Voyager called The Year in Hell, mm. or The Year of Hell. Is that the one with Kurtwood Smith? Yes. OMG, okay. There's a quantum spaceship, and um, Kurtwood Smith's aliens are trying to prevent a uh, comet or asteroid from hitting their world, which killed off a bunch of their people, including his family. And he's trying to adjust time, uh, events in the past, so that the asteroid doesn't hit his planet. But for little changes he makes, it makes much bigger changes. And some of them are worse than him losing his family. I was just revisiting a text thread where this these episodes and Kurtwood Smith in particular were discussed. Mm. And talking about Kurtwood Smith um, as an actor and how wide-ranging he actually is. <laughs> yeah. From this to... Red Foreman in that 70s show where he brings, pardon my language, but where he brings dumbass into primetime television commonplace parlance, yeah. which we owe him a debt of gratitude yes, for. Do. Actually, we owe that to the writers, but we owe it to Kurtwood Smith for being so convincing in his delivery. And so deadpan about it as well. It's like it was, it was something like he said, pass the butter. That was what dumbass in that 70s show was like. Uh, he was also the uh, villain in RoboCop. Ooh. <laughs> I know you've never seen it, or if you clearly, have, if you have, it's been a very long time. But yeah, he he plays the awful, awful villain in RoboCop. <clears throat> no, haven't seen it. Might need to now. Kurtwood Smith, I'm I'm a fan. All right. So anyway, uh, but yeah, dark. We, we went down several different pathways, much like this uh, the show Dark this on Netflix. Is, this is what being married does to you. Yes, it does. Uh, you have a lot of shared history, and you... <laughs> You've dived down bunny holes. If, if you listen long enough, we will probably cover pretty much all of it. Um, but uh, th this show is so good. The last season delivered. There were surprises. There was uh, resolution. 
uh, it all made sense in a show that doesn't make sense. If you pay any attention, there are three versions of, of the same person sometimes mm. because they're in the past, in the present, and in the future. And, uh, you know, they can all three be in the same place, which, you know, Sticklers will say violates the space-time continuum, but that's beside the point. Um, it's, sometimes you got to suspend disbelief. Exactly. Uh, but this show's so good, it's very easy to do. So, if you haven't, uh, and you'll have to read the dialogue. I'm terribly sorry. It's in German with subtitles. It's worth it. Dark on Netflix. It sounds like this was a very satisfying television experience for it you. It was. I, I stumbled onto it by accident. Uh, the blurb, uh, you know, the little print on the... Uh, the description. Uh, on the screen when you, when you get... When you put your cursor on it. Uh, I turned off the automatic um, uh, trailer preview thing. Yeah. Um, because I found it very annoying, but um, maybe I saw that too and was like, "Oh, that sounds like something I'd be interested in," and it was uh, very good. I cannot more highly recommend it. Um, also watched a documentary about the live show that uh, Monty Python uh, reformed the five surviving members. And did at uh, the O2 in London a show they did only because they were embroiled in a lawsuit and needed money. Um, and they have this documentary they make about you know them getting ready for it and then putting it on and the various uh, uh, members of Python discuss you know what it was like getting back together again because they hadn't been together since they did the Hollywood Bowl show. Um, I think back in the early 80s. We're getting the band back together! Exactly, exactly. Um, and uh, We need rent money! <laughs> yeah, they, they did. Uh, but it was, uh, it was fun. Here's my thing with Python. I, I enjoy them in small doses. So in, the, these doc, in this documentary, along with the six-part documentary... Uh, that I watched that was from maybe five years earlier um, also on Netflix um, you see bits of their uh, their routines some of the sketches but you also get the behind the scenes stuff so I think I prefer my Python like that yeah I'm I'm all about documentaries where you get like interview footage with people mm -hmm. and you you get to peek into the real them and find out what really makes them tick and you feel like you get to know them a little bit. I, I really dig stuff like that. Yeah. Because I'm a people person. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's... Except when I don't like people. Oh, yeah. Well, there's there's times like that, too. Uh, there's times when they don't like each other all that much. Well, any any group of people who work closely like that together and build that kind of um, situation, yeah. Yeah, you, you're going to have squabbles and the Bickersons from time to time. It's right. to be expected. The creative uh, people who create differently um, will sometimes butt heads. And there are people who are better at some things and other members of the group are better at other things. And there's sometimes 
clash is about you know credit and um, you know I don't want to do that sketch anymore well you have to and you know stuff like that yeah. so it, it's it's a great behind-the-scenes look at their creative process and the fact that even though they're not you know constantly together off stage they're not the best of friends they don't go on vacations together there is a respect and a love there, and you can see it on, on both of those documentaries. Well, yeah, Brooks and Dunn had separate buses and everything. <laughs> we got we to gotta talk about that. Oh, yeah, that was going to be next. <laughs> Sweet! Yeah. Okay. Why don't you start? We watched a documentary called Mucho, Mucho Amor, um, it, um, The Legend of Walter Mercado on Netflix. Yes. I did not know from Walter Mercado. Never heard of him I in my life. I knew nothing from Mucho Mucho Amor except from my basic high school Spanish class, mm -hmm. which means much, much love. Yes. Um, Walter Mercado was a Puerto Rican psychic fortune teller. Astrologer. Astrologer. He, um, had, he was on TV for years and years and years. This guy is so over the top what was <laughs> so over the top fabulous i mean you can i can imagine liberace walking into walter mercado's closet and going oh my god you need to butch this up <laughs> uh yeah he's he was 50 shades of fabulous uh, he he was he was um uh gender non-conforming let us say because Every picture I saw of him, every bit of video, I thought, that looks like a woman. Except very, very early on in, in, in his dancer days, in his, he oh, was yes. he was um, more masculine looking. Yes. As his life journey took him further mm -hmm. and his plastic surgeon took <laughs> him further, he... Um, he his look became much more androgynous and eventually quite quite feminine yes um but also his hair oh the hair was fabtacular i would give i would give my eye teeth to have hair that big yeah he uh yeah he's and first let me just say forgive me for my heteronormative cisgendered um words that i just used but um I'm not judging him for being a man that looked feminine. I don't care. He is... That's just a fact. He was a man who, over the course of his life, um, became much more feminine in his appearance. Yes. He's he's also one of the best-known people who has ever come from Puerto Rico. Lin-Manuel Miranda and his father going up to meet him yeah. in this gorgeous penthouse suite with, like, window views out Looking over out this over beautiful... Um, and Lin-Manuel Miranda just completely fangirling over oh, this yeah. guy. He it was... was... Because he said that he had watched him um, on TV with his abuela when he was a child, mm -hmm. Um Apparently, in Puerto Rico, this man was just greatly beloved. Oh, yeah. Um, he, uh, His manager uh, designed this show for him. He had been doing, like, guest appearances on things. He didn't really have a show. And then 
he this manager created this look and design of his show um and uh he became this enormous star in the spanish speaking community um and yeah, he me. he's just i mean I, I don't believe in astrology um or anything like that but this guy was nothing but positive and brought nothing but joy to his audience. His t his closing tagline was always "mucho mucho amor," much much love. Yes, which apparently was his whole thing. Yes, in his life, which is can't we all, you know, use some amor? And I felt at the end of the documentary, I felt good. Yeah. I mean... I wish I'd known him. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, I wish I had grown up watching somebody like that. Yeah. He's uh, um, he's just so unique and uh, completely without, apparently, a motive. Did he get rich off of it? Certainly. Um, uh, he lost a lot of his money. Well, that was a, a part, uh, in large part, a bad management deal right and he got ripped off by a, a bad they, manager who hosed him over and they go into that in fairly um you know a great in deal, some detail detail um but he just is this he's just this light and uh granted i don't think you can predict um your future or your temperament or anything along that line from the stars and I've been yelled at at Twitter on that a time or two. You've been um, yelled at at home for that a time or two. <laughs> not necessarily. I'm like not a horoscope reader or anything, but I do believe that the full moon affects people. Um, I have anecdotal empirical evidence. This, your mother and all of her My sisters mother, yes. talked about how around the full moon they all had crazy wackadoo dreams. Anyone who works in education or healthcare will tell you that people's people change around the time of the full moon. A lot of babies get conceived around full moons. A lot of babies get born around full moons. When you think about it, and I'm putting science out here, okay? This is science. No, she's not. She's not this really is science. No Do science. not sass me. <laughs> the moon moves freaking ocean tides. Yes. Human bodies, human bodies are made out of mostly water. So it seems to me uh, not a long leap that one's one's physiology and psychology could be affected by something that moves freaking tides. Yes, it moves oceans and to a lesser degree lakes. And as the amount of water goes down, the the amount of total water that is being pulled on by the moon, the amount of pull also goes down and while we are made of 98 percent water or whatever the amount is just continue to enjoy your yourself on that okay let's turn the we're, tables we're running out of time let's turn the tables real quick we would be remiss to talk about science um, without mentioning that one of the Mythbusters crew has passed. Yes, Grant Imahara, 49 years old. He was part of the 
um, the assistant crew on several seasons of Mythbusters on the Discovery Channel. Um, he worked uh, with um, uh, Adam Savage at uh, ILM, and uh, that's where they met. And then uh, he brought him on, uh, he got a job on Mythbusters, uh, where he was, again, for several seasons, along with um, Tori Bellucci and Carrie... Carrie Byron. Thank you. And um, he passed away suddenly of a... An apparent a, brain aneurysm. Brain, cerebral aneurysm. Um, it's awful um, that somebody who was so young, relatively speaking, um, is, uh, can just, you know, be there one second and then gone the next. Um, he wasn't, was unbelievably intelligent. Oh, brilliant. Terrific with tools. Uh, and funny. And funny. He, he made, uh, Jeff the skeleton robot for, uh, the Late Late Show with Craig Ferguson. Sweet. I did not know that that was his work. Yeah. Wow. Um, and he um, he did, uh, you've probably seen a lot of his work in various movies. He did a lot of model work for the Star Wars prequels, I believe. Um, and he's Just a brilliant mind and maker. Just terrific. And um, very, um, a, a terrific role model for uh, young people who may not think that science or mathematics or stuff like that has any practical application. But his chosen line of work and his work on Mythbusters required uh, mathematics um, and uh, lots of mechanical knowledge. His, his thing was making robots, mm -hmm. um, and he was very good at it. Um, so it, there's a, um, a limited series on Netflix called The White Rabbit Project, I believe is what it's called. And it's um, Tori, Carrie, and Grant sort of myth-busting, but not really. They're just conducting experiments and trying to prove if something's possible. Um, so if you have an opportunity and want to watch that and see him in action... Um, give give the White Rabbit Project on Netflix a try, and um, I'm sure they'll be running a, some sort of um, MythBusters marathon in yeah. the next few days, honoring Grant. He was uh, he was a big part of that show for several years. I was really sad when the three of them uh, got axed in like the last couple of seasons. I assume it was either because they were asking for too much money or. They were trying to save money on budget, whatever the reason. They they weren't on the show anymore, and it wasn't as good, in my opinion. So anyway, there's that. Uh, R.I.P. Grant Imahara, you will be missed. Rest in peace. Rest in power. Exactly. All right, I guess that does it for this episode. Um, please go see Shirley. Uh, it's on Hulu, or you can rent it on whatever platform. Um, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. We've had a little uptick in the number of uh, downloads. I no. know. Shocking. Um, that uh, uh, f uh, five or six uh, regular listeners is now up to seven. Oh, my God. So please uh, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. Uh, like, rate, review, subscribe uh, on all the places where you can get 
podcast, we would appreciate it. If you have a suggestion for a movie, TV show, or documentary for us to watch, uh, feel free to send that to us. Uh, tell us what it is and why we should watch it. Send it to comedytragedymarriage at gmail.com. So that'll take care of it for this week. Next week it's my turn, and who knows what magic I may uh, whip up out of thin air. There's no telling. There, there is. So, um, until next time, love you. Love you back. And later. later. Yay!